and welcome to Gateway Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us. If you find our podcast is helping you spiritually, check us out online at gatewayvineyard.org. Enjoy the message. Right, I want to apologize to whatever musicians, music I have here, uh, but I'll put it back in place. Um, uh, if it's all right, I am just going to since I know most of you, and I feel like most of you know me, I'm just going to make uh, myself at home, and um, uh, and I probably wouldn't even normally, oh, we got like the legit table and the whole thing. I figured you'd like that better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, I felt like I sat as I was sitting there. I actually sat there and uh, wrestled with something. I felt like the Spirit uh, wanted me to speak to Katie and Tony, even right here, just kind of at the offset of the service. I felt like God had a word for them, and so I wouldn't normally make myself at home, but I feel like I can, so I'm going to. But I felt like. Uh, when Tony, and as you should, folks, Tony is often, he's going to be saying, I want a packed house. And as he should be pushing that, he'll always be the voice of expanding ministry. But I felt like the Lord would say that during this seed stage, while it's the seed stage, don't measure yourself, your impact on the size of the crowd. I'm not dismissing, man, push and go. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to point out that you guys are doing work even in this siege stage that's making a difference. As I sat, I've known Katie, I've known you for a while, but I've heard more words come out of your mouth tonight than I ever have. It was, it was beautiful to see you leading in worship and worship that ushered me into the Spirit of God. And I appreciate that in this siege stage, you're leading these services into the presence of God. And Tony, the preaching you're doing is making a difference. And you know how I know that? Because it's been a few months since I've been here, and I can still tell you what you spoke on the night I was here. It was like Christ, community, and culture. I remember what you spoke on. So here's the thing. When you walk in these doors, please know you guys are making a difference. Do not measure it on the crowd size in the seed stage. It's a seed. All right? So, man, so I'm glad to be here. And I would probably have never done that. But like I said, I just made myself at home. And um, so you guys have been going through the, the book of Jonah. And as I was thinking about today's text, one thing that I had considered Unfortunately, in today's world, um, in this fallen world, divorce is an unfortunate reality, sometimes a needed one and sometimes an unfortunate not needed one. And so, but it's a, it's a, it's a reality that we experience in this fallen world to the degree that I looked up kind of the extreme divorce settlements. And a few things that I found, back in 1999, there was a couple that one of the dividing issues was their Beanie Baby collection. Who all remembers Beanie Babies? Okay, So it was this Beanie Baby 
collection. And it got to the point that they could not come to an agreement about how this was going to be divided that the judge eventually just had to say, you're bringing them to the courtroom and we're dividing them here and divided them up in the courtroom. Another weird kind of divorce settlement um, situation came over. This happened in the United Kingdom. Can you believe it? Happened over drink coasters. Like, I've not been emotionally connected to drink coasters. Like, I couldn't fathom. Like, I've probably thrown more drink coasters away in my life than I've used. And uh, another interesting uh, story uh, about these unfortunate divorce settlements was there was one couple that had gone to Las Vegas and had purchased a $5,000 ashtray. And this ashtray became the dividing point. Well, with lawyer's fees, I believe it was the husband, the lawyer told the husband, listen, at this point, with all the lawyer's fees and stuff, at this point, you could fly to Vegas, buy another ashtray, and bring it back home cheaper than what you will trying to win this ashtray in the settlement. And the husband then says, it's not about that. It's about, I want to smash it in front of her and show her that I won. And see, unfortunately, we can kind of judge those odd things, but what if I told you we all have a little bit of that in us? We all have a little bit of that. We're willing to take something till the final say to defeat someone else sometimes to our own detriment. What if I, you know, have, ha, can we be honest that, that there's times that we sometimes even forget what the original debate or discussion was about? We just don't want to be wrong. And we take it to the final point. Well, the interesting thing is, if you're like me, I unfortunately find myself there at times. And so did Jonah. This is a, something that I think we would look to in this text and go, yeah, what was happening inside of Jonah? Before we get too quick to judge Jonah, I think we have to acknowledge that there's a little bit of this that happens inside of us. So if you'll go with me to Jonah 4, I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole text, the whole chapter. And uh, I think I'm convinced there's some things that are that stand out in this text that, that we can learn from tonight. Jonah 4, starting in verse 1, and it says, But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this, uh, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still home? that this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place 
east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at the dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God providing a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Will you join me in prayer? So, Heavenly Father, I just ask you, will you empower me to share the thoughts that you want shared tonight? Lord, from my prep time, I ask you to add what needs added, take away what needs taken away, and Lord, just make this message everything that you want it to be for those that are here tonight worshiping you. Lord, I just again ask for your help, and you be the communicator. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, uh, I find the book of Jonah pretty interesting. It was one of, I was telling Tony before service, that it was the first book of the Bible that I ever had taken time to not just read, but to study. You know, it's only four chapters. I had taken some time to cross-reference all the scriptures and look up commentary and all those things. And it was one of the first uh, books. It was the first book that I had ever done that with. And man, there's a lot of when you see chapter 4 in particular, Jonah ends responding in a very human fashion. And what I find interesting is that he starts out with pointing out, like Jonah knew that God's grace and compassion and love could be trusted, that it was consistent. That's what, that's what he was saying. This is why he fleed to Tarshish, is because he knew God would eventually be compassionate to this community. And so um, I think what stands out in this chapter is that God's love is reliable. What we see from the beginning to the end here is that God's love is reliable. And that even though Jonah was not responding correctly to God's love, he knew it from beginning to end that God's love was reliable, that God's love, that he could be counted on to be compassionate and gracious. Check this out. Let's go back to the verse 2 um, where it communicates that. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So Jonah knew that God was loving, slow to anger, 
abounding in love, and a God who relents from sending calamity. He knew that, and he knew that that could be relied on. Even though he, he was hoping to see the destruction of Nineveh, Jonah still knew God was compassionate. And then he was frustrated when God showed himself to be compassionate again. Now, I think most of the time that the problem that we face with God's reliability is a little bit different. And here's what I mean by that. When you look at the, over the course of my life, God has delivered me from toxic situations. God has healed loved ones in my life miraculously. God has been a provider financially for me. God, when you look over the course of the 46 years that I have lived, you will see God just being loving and compassionate all the way through. But you know what? From time to time, I'll come up against something. I'll come up against a problem. This was especially true often when I was church planting. I just wouldn't feel like God was moving in my situation. I was concerned or like, God, where are you? As a matter of fact, within the last three, three and a half years, I've been up against some things where I felt I was up against a brick wall and I'm like, God, you're never going to move this wall. Why aren't you moving this wall? And even in my prayer time today, I was sitting in my chair outside and realized that some of those walls that I thought God was not taking down, he had brought down. Even some of those difficulties that I felt like I was facing, God had moved me out of that situation and showed up in a loving and compassionate way. But here's what I know. That's not only common for me. As I look over the course of this auditorium, I'm guessing if you could look back over the time of your life, you too would see God showing up time and time again. You would see God's love and mercy throughout the course of your life. But yet, here you are today. And if you're honest, is there something in your life where you're like, oh man, I'm a little bit worried about this. But you know, why do we do that? Like Jonah, why is it that when we come to these difficult situations, we don't remind ourselves that God's love is reliable. That God will always be compassionate and relents to send calamity. God is bigger than the problem that you are facing. Whatever the problem you're facing is right now, whatever the concern is that you are facing right now, God will not only show up on time, but he will show up perfectly. God's love is reliable. You can build your life on that. I didn't grab the lyrics to this song, but I know there's a song that we sing. And it says that. It says, on your love, I will build my life. Man, and sometimes I sit and I hear those words and I'm like, do people really know what we're singing there? Have they looked around at the course of their life and realized the things that they're worried about, 
we're going to worry a little less about when we build our life on God's love. God's love is reliable. Check out what Paul said to the Roman church. It says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If I was to say that in 2021 vernacular, you know what he's saying? He's saying, nothing that you're facing can take you away from the love of Christ. There is not a situation that you're facing that Christ is not walking with you through. And I don't know who it is, but I believe that I'm here today to remind someone that Christ is walking with you through your situation. He's with you, no matter what it looks like. Sometimes we sing that song, even when it doesn't see it, you're moving. Sometimes we need a reminder that even when it doesn't look like he's moving, God's love is reliable. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself. In what situation do you need to trust God's love, grace, and compassion more? What is it that you're facing right now that you're like, that you just needed a little bit of a reminder? Oh, yes. God's walking with me through this. What is it? Because whatever that is, whatever that is, God is bigger. God is bigger than what you are facing. God's love is reliable. But see, in addition to learning that about God, I think that there are some things from this text that we learn about humanity or ourselves. See, when we encounter God, that's that reveals some stuff in us because God's love is revealing. God's love reveals some stuff on the inside of us. Let me show how this worked in Jonah's life. But Jonah said to, but pardon me, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plan? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Here's what God's love revealed in Jonah's life, and that was simply that Jonah was not as loving as God. It revealed that Jonah had a long way to go when it came to sharing the compassion and love of God. And think about this for a second. Look at what, look at what had taken place in Jonah's life. Look at what had taken place. Like, God was gracious and mercy, merciful in saving his life, getting them there. Then he sees the city repent, and it still didn't chip away at Jonah's heart. And I'm afraid that sometimes, I'm afraid that sometimes we're the same way. Sometimes we 
we have someone in our life or groups of people in our life that we would, do I dare think that we would rather them see destroyed? Or we would rather see ourselves destroyed than to see them experience some kind of blessing? And maybe that's an extreme. But I do think that sometimes we struggle loving others. I do think that sometimes we walk through life with certain stereotypes or prejudices against certain populations or certain personalities or just certain things come to mind if, if you mention a certain attribute about someone. All Jonah, now think about this, there was no way for Jonah to know all 120,000 Ninevites. No way. But that's all he needed to know to know he'd rather die than have them to repent. What kind of hatred and bitterness is that? But unfortunately, I think that we find some socially acceptable things that, that we experience in our life. We find, we sometimes, if all we knew that someone was a Republican or a Democrat, we have certain tendencies to assume things about them. If all we know is that they're a male or female, if all we know, or God forbid, if all we know their race or skin color, we, cert we have certain things that come to mind and we have got to reject those things if it is stopping us from showing the love of God to others. It would be nice if we just knew people by name, addressed people by name and not other, not other issues. If all you knew about someone was they were rich or poor or on welfare, those kind of things can keep us from loving others if we're too quick to compartmentalize people. But in addition to that, like, I get there's some difficult people that maybe you actually know that's regardless of any of those things. We know some difficult people. Am I wrong? Anyone know some difficult people in the room today? No. <laughs> wow, some of you don't. Great. I would like to hang out in your circles more. But, yeah, we know some difficult people. But we shouldn't treat them like the enemy. See, where Jonah got in trouble is when he only saw the people of Nineveh as the enemy. He was never able to get himself right when he looked at the Ninevites as the enemy. He was never able to love them. Check this out. Matthew 5.44, common scripture, most of you are probably aware. And it says this, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When Jesus is saying, love your enemies, he is essentially saying, we don't have enemies. We don't have enemies. Yes, there may be people that view you as the enemy, but our responsibility is one thing, and that's to bless our enemies, to love them. The right response 
is never evil for evil. The scripture tells us to overcome evil by doing good. People use that phrase, getting even. Why do we want to be even with someone who's bringing you toxicity? No, we don't want to be even with them. We want to respond to evil by doing good. We don't have enemies. And this, and this isn't always easy. This isn't hallmark pie-in-the-sky stuff. You know why? Because I know there's people that have children who are very toxic. I know people who have spouses who are toxic. And I know people who have bosses that are toxic. And pause and let me just say, I am not saying, what I'm not advocating is that you allow someone to treat you evil. I'm not saying that you allow someone to harm you. Boundaries are a healthy thing. But what I am saying is never respond to evil with evil. Never respond. Love others. And you know what? Most of the time, we're not even talking about that. We're talking about these people that we know every day. Because most of the time, they're not evil. They're doing the best they can. They're ignorant. And here, let me check it. This is, this is the, the same thing Jonah was up against. So check this out. Jonah 4.11. And it says, And should I have... And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Here's what God was saying. These were not evil people. They were ignorant. They were doing the best they could. They didn't know their right hand from their left. But then when presented the opportunity, they repented. But far too often, I think we as humans, we are too quick to call, forgive me, ignorant people evil. We always assume, we often assume, well, if this person is coming at me this way, their, their intent must be malicious. And it's not always. Maybe they're just doing the best they can. Maybe they have hurt in their own life. We do best to sometimes respond with a little bit of grace. Let me share, you a, a share with you a story from my own life. My mother, God rest her soul, and I say this with a degree uh, of appropriate honor, but my mom likely struggled with borderline uh, personality disorder, which actually then as a result, I grew up with a lot of pain towards um, my mom. And, but when I was able to come to peace with that my mom was doing the best she could, it allowed me to love her a little better. It allowed me to respond to her actions in a more loving way. It doesn't mean that I need to allow myself to be mistreated, but it does mean that if I can respond with love, I should that I don't have to respond to being mistreated to being treating someone to mistreatment myself. I don't have to flip that over. Jesus calls us to treat people better than what we're treated. Not easy. Simple to say, not easy to do. 
So here's my question. So it was interacting with God's love that revealed this ugly inside of Jonah. So my question for you is, what is the ugly that God is revealing inside of you? Do you have a sense of revenge that you would like to take out on someone? Is there a hurt that you have? What is it? Who is it that when you just, if you just know that attribute? Can I be honest? Like, if I suspect someone's kind of legalistically, you know, religiously legalistic, man, my response isn't, oh, I'm just going to be so gracious. And Like, I struggle with that. But some of that comes from my own church pain and stuff in life. But I have to show grace even to those that aren't gracious to me. So what is the ugly that God is revealing inside of you? Because most likely God is having you interact with someone that's stretching you to love. Let me read this scripture, 1 John 4, 7 through 10, and it says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. That's really about all I need to say, but let me go ahead and read the whole thing. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, whoever does not love does not know God. Check that out, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. First of all, check that out. He didn't say whoever does not pray does not know God. Whoever does not go to church does not go to I mean, we can list a whole bunch of things that we would value as Christians. But he says whoever does not love does not know God. So that means you can do a whole lot of those things that we boast about as Christians and not be loving, and you should probably question if you know God or not. Because the Scripture is saying, whoever does not love does not know God. The new commandment, love others as I have loved you. This is not one of many things. This is central to the Christian message. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. which indicates to me Jesus is the way that we receive and give God's love. We receive God's love through his one and only son, and it's Jesus that empowers us to love others. I'm going to call the worship team up at this time. Let me pause and just kind of pray for a second as we um, transition into some one last song and an opportunity to, to pray. So if you would stand with me. Heavenly Father, I just ask you, Lord, just as we go into prayer and ministry time and one last song, I just ask that, that you just help us to receive all the love from you that we can receive. 
Father, I would also ask you to help us to give all the love that we can give. Now, here's what I would like to do if we can before we go into one last song. Um, and maybe it's only one person in the room, and maybe I'll give the opportunity and there's none, but I, I just would like to open it up, and I'm not going to call anyone forward or trick you that way. I just want you to raise your hand. But uh, the first point that I made was that, that God's love is reliable. And I just would like to know if there's anyone here tonight that is going through something that's just been difficult to remember that. You're just going through a challenge and you need God's love to help you walk through this. And if that's you, would you, would you raise your hand? All right, my second opportunity I at least want to give an opportunity for is maybe you have someone in your life that's difficult to love. They're just a challenge for you. Maybe you have previous hurt from men or women or whatever it is, churches, circus clowns, whatever it is, someone has hurt you in your life. But for or whatever it is that has brought you, you have either a you have someone in your life that is difficult for you to love right now. I would love to just pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Is that a hand raise or a yawn? Hand raise? All right. So if you'll, if you'll join me, we got, we got a hand raised because someone has someone that's difficult to love. So, Father, I just ask you right now. Father, I just ask you, will you help? Will you help us to love those that are difficult in our life? Father, I just ask you right now, will you change how we see this individual or individuals? Will you help us to see that they are the children of God? Father, will you help us to see that they don't see their left hand from their right? Father, will you help us to see, Lord, that they that they're doing the best they can? Father, and if there's things in their life that we just need to know about that would give us a sense of grace and compassion, Will you help us to show compassion towards this individual or individuals? And Father, for anyone in the room that maybe was supposed to raise their hand but didn't, Father, will you just help us to remember your love for the next time we go through something? Lord, will you, Father, help us to show love to all those that we are quick to dismiss? Father, and maybe some of us are not walking through something right now, but this message was deposited for something that they will one day walk through. Will you help us to just lock this away for the appropriate time? 
and help us to follow through on the command to love others as you have loved us. What a privilege. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on our podcast. If you find this message helped you spiritually, check us out online at gatewayvineyard.org. We'll see you next time.